Welcome to the Marketing Tips for Doctors podcast, where you'll discover the secrets to attracting more patients ready to schedule their first appointments to grow your practice without spending hours and hours away from your practice or home. Hear how to boost your online presence, develop a strong rapport with each one to increase patient compliance while adding value and growing revenue. Now here's your host, Dr. Barbara Hales, America's leading medical strategist. Welcome to another episode of Marketing Tips for Doctors. I'm your host, Dr. Barbara Hales. Today, we are very fortunate to have with us Ocean Robbins. Great to be with you, Barbara. Ocean is co-founder and CEO of the 600,000-member Food Revolution Network. He is author of the bestseller, 31-Day Food Revolution, Heal Your Body, Feel Great, and Transform Your World. Ocean founded Youth for Environmental Sanity, yes, at age 16, and directed it for the next 20 years. He has spoken in person to more than 200,000 people organized online seminars and events reaching more than a million and facilitated leadership development events for leaders from 65 nations. He has served as an adjunct professor for Chapman University and is the recipient of the National Jefferson Award for Outstanding Public Service the Freedom's Flame Award, the Harmon Wilkinson Award, and many other honors. It's really a privilege to have you here today. Thanks so much, Barbara. You come from a pretty unique family. Your grandfather founded an ice cream company called Baskin and Robbins. And in reading that, I want to tell everybody it's not Baskin and Robbins that most people think, just Baskin Robbins. Uh, can you tell us a little about your family background and how that informs the work that you do today? Sure. So my dad, John, grew up with an ice cream cone shaped swimming pool in the backyard and 31 flavors of ice cream in the freezer. He was groomed to one day join his dad in running the family company. But when he was in his early 20s, he was offered that chance and he said no. And he walked away from a path that was practically paved with gold and ice cream to, as we jokingly say in our family, follow his own rocky road. He ended up moving with my mom to a little island off the coast of Canada where they built a one-room log cabin. They grew most of their own food. They practiced yoga and meditation for several hours a day, and they named their kid Ocean. And uh, they almost named me Kale, by the way, and this was before Kale was cool. But we did eat a lot of kale and cabbage and carrots and other veggies from the garden. And when I got a little older, we ended up moving to California. And my dad came out with a book in 1987 called Diet for a New America, which is about how our food choices impact our health, our happiness, and the future of life on Earth. It became this runaway bestseller. The media had a lot of fun with the story. They called him, you know, the rebel without a cone and... Uh, <laughs> A, you know, he inspired a lot of people, millions of people to look at their food choices as a chance to make a difference in the world. One of his many enthusiastic readers ended up being my grandpa, Irvin Robbins, who had lost his brother-in-law, Bert Baskin, to heart disease when my dad's uncle, Bert, uh, was just uh, 54 years old. And my grandpa, 
age 69, was facing serious heart issues, weight issues, blood sugar, diabetes issues. Uh, his doctors told him he, he might not have long to live unless he made some big changes. They gave him a copy of my dad's book. My grandpa read it, followed its advice. He ended up giving up sugar, cutting way down on processed foods, giving up ice cream and cutting, cutting way down on animal products and eating way more whole plant foods. And he got results. He reversed his diabetes. He reversed his heart disease. He lost a bunch of weight. His golf game improved seven strokes. He was one <laughs> happy camper and he lived another 19 more healthy years. So we really have seen in our family that when we follow the standard American diet, we get the standard American diseases. But when we make a change, we can turn things around and get incredible results. And, you know, I'm inspired by my grandpa's business achievements. Uh, I'm inspired by my dad's choice for integrity and the impact he's had. And my whole life, I've been asking, what can I do? And so when I was 16, I founded a nonprofit working with leaders all around the globe called it Yes. And as I traveled the globe for 20 years doing leadership development work and uh, empowerment, social change work with young change makers around the planet, I saw that everybody eats and that what we're eating is having this huge impact all over the planet. The American way of growing food and marketing food and processing food and consuming food is spreading with KFC, McDonald's, Baskin Robbins, uh, Monsanto and big agribusiness, chemicals, pesticides, factory farms. And with this, waistlines are expanding, hospitals are filling up and people are getting sick with diseases that were unheard of a generation or two ago. So. Uh, a few years ago, actually about 10 years ago, I joined with my dad in launching Food Revolution Network to see if we could focus on this food issue directly. And we've grown to now having you know more than half a million members. And our mission is healthy, ethical, and sustainable food for all. Was your grandfather conflicted about seeing that maybe ice cream was not the best thing to eat and yet he was still selling it? Well, he had sold the company, uh, you know, uh, many years earlier in in the late 60s. So um, by the time he changed his diet, he no longer had a direct investment. But obviously, he had a lot of reason to not want to think that there was a connection between diet and health because, you know, newsflash, ice cream is not a health food. And uh, he'd manufactured and sold more of it than any human being who'd ever lived. And um, so, yes, he was conflicted. But at the end of the day, he made a choice that he wanted to live. You know, he wanted to survive and and, uh, reverse his illness. And that was more important to him than sort of being right. You know, and, you know, he was one stubborn cookie. And if somebody who has that much investment in a certain way of eating and living can make a change, then maybe there's hope for the rest of us too. Absolutely. Now you have named, or your father named, the food revolution as 31 days. Is that a reflection on 31 flavors for uh, Baskin-Robbins? Well, you're referring to my book now. I wrote a book called 31 Day Food Revolution. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the reason we chose I chose that title was because yeah, I wanted to play off of the 31 flavors. And, you know, at the end of the day, what I'm saying is 31 steps to health can bring you more pleasure, more satisfaction, even than 31 flavors of ice cream. So there are 31 chapters, of course, in 31 Day Food Revolution. And each chapter ends with a simple action step you can take to apply what you're learning in your life. And it's at the end of the day, it's all about action because, you know, cancer, heart disease, type 2 diabetes, they don't care a heck of a lot how many books you read or 
you know, how many workshops you go to or how much you know. They, they care what you eat and how you live. Knowledge opens the door. Action walks through the door. And at the end of the day, it's action that matters the most. And so in our work, we're always trying to spread the truth so people can know what's healthy, how to make choices that are good for their bodies, good for their planet. And then we also want to always focus on implementation. You know, how can you actually make this happen in your life? Because, you know, there, there, are, there are a lot of people who know they, their diet's not the best, but that doesn't help them lose the weight they need to lose and feel the way they want to feel because they don't know how to make it happen. And so 31 Day Food Revolution really captures what we've learned in our work about how you can make it happen in your life. Sure. Um, how does uh, your program differ from other health and diet books out there? Well, 31 Day Food Revolution has um, a few things that I think are unique. One is a, a sto- lots of stories from my own life that obviously you won't find anywhere else and from our body of work. But also it's... Um, you know, the, the strong focus on implementation and results. So it's combining education with action. And then there are four parts to 31 Day Food Revolution. And part one is detoxify. It's how you get rid of the bad stuff. Part two is nourish. It's how you say yes to the good stuff, the really healthy superfoods that can help you thrive and what the latest science says about that. Part three is gather. And this is where we look at the social side of food. And I think most health and diet books and and programs kind of leave this out. But the truth is we're not lone wolves. You know, we're social creatures and we're profoundly connected to each other. And so it's much easier to succeed in any new endeavor when you've got friends and allies to help you and to pull you back on track when you start to stray and to create accountability. So this is about how you build up your social network. So you have the web of relationships that will help you use thrive and be accountable. And that will also help contribute to building a healthier world for everyone else. Um, And then part four is transform. And that's where we look at the systemic side of food and how we can contribute to building a better world. You know, food's super personal. What you eat literally becomes you, but it's also political. It impacts people and policies and practices all around the world. It impacts farm workers. It impacts animals. It impacts the future of life on earth. And when you know how, you can actually bring your food choices into integrity with your values. So you can kind of vote every day with every food dollar you spend for the kind of health you want and also for the kind of world you want. So we look at systemic change and how we can contribute to building healthy, ethical, and sustainable food for all, not just for you know the privileged few. Uh, you know, At Food Revolution Network, we have twin goals. They're education and advocacy. We wanna help individuals get informed so they can live healthy, vibrant, wonderful lives. We also wanna advocate for a better world because you, know, you shouldn't have to be rich or super privileged or have a certain color of skin to have access to healthy food for your families. And the truth is that right now in the world today, it sometimes feels like it takes your whole paycheck just to eat whole foods. You know, healthy food can cost more. And it's kind of like you're being fined for wearing your seatbelt. If you want to do the safer, right thing for your family, you have to pay extra. And we say that's not right. So we're looking at why that's the case and at what we can do to change it. Well, that's certainly true. You know, it's not always easy to afford healthier foods, which is why the disadvantaged population very often winds up eating less fruits and vegetables. Um, So how would you begin to change that? Well, there's a few things. Uh, We have campaigns right now in Food Revolution Network. One is to address farm subsidies. So right now, 
in the uh, the um, farm bill that the U.S. Congress approves every every few years. There are tens of billions of dollars in what amount to subsidies for commodities crops. Uh, these are not matched by any kind of equivalent subsidy for growers of fruits and vegetables and nuts and seeds. So essentially, we're bringing down the price of things like uh, white flour, factory farmed animal products, and high fructose corn syrup. And therefore, we're creating a marketplace distortion that's essentially driving up the price by comparison of fruits and vegetables and nuts and seeds and, you know, the foods that science is telling us we should eat more of. And so we're saying, hey, if we're going to subsidize anything, let's let's subsidize healthy food for the people who need it most. And uh, number two, produce prescriptions is a pretty exciting program. So this is uh, where doctors can actually prescribe fruits and vegetables to their patients instead of or as well as drugs and surgeries. And then insurance companies reimburse. And instead of going to the pharmacy with a pH, you go to the pharmacy with an F and you can actually collect your fruits and vegetables. And Kaiser Permanente is actually hosting farmers markets in their hospitals now. So, you know, we're seeing progress here and produce prescriptions are being piloted and studies are showing us that they could be more economical than a lot of the currently utilized drugs and other interventions are in terms of improving quality of life, longevity, and even reversing certain illnesses. So this is one step. Number two, we have a SNAP program where we provide food aid to poor low-income communities. And there's about 50 million Americans that are dependent on this right now to feed their families. And uh, most of the SNAP money is going to junk food, quite honestly. And so what we'd love to see is doubling the value of SNAP dollars for fruits and vegetables. This is being piloted uh, in 20 states right now with a program that's run by a group called Wholesome Wave. And uh, there's about 500,000 Americans on the program. And they're seeing that when people get double value for fruits and vegetables, they buy more fruits and vegetables, they eat more fruits and vegetables, and they're healthier because of it. And so we want to take that nationwide. So produce prescriptions, double up bucks is what it's called for the SNAP program, changing the subsidy system. So we stop subsidizing junk food. These are all things that in the long run could be revenue neutral or even revenue positive because we'd save so much in healthcare costs. I mean, the U.S. spends 19% of our entire gross domestic product on what we call healthcare, which is really disease symptom management. And so we're saying, look, we could slash those costs by focusing on investing in health. And we should focus on the communities that are most low income and most marginalized right now. Absolutely. I had actually never heard of the fruit prescription. I think that's fabulous. Um, Have you seen any political um, fight back from the big pharmacies? Uh, well, not not so far. They're kind of maybe preferring to ignore it. Um, you know, in the long run, sure, some of them might oppose, but it's kind of an additional thing. It's not necessarily instead of, obviously, if a patient gets well and doesn't need their drugs, then they'll take a market hit. Um, and that's, that's going to happen at some point, but hopefully they won't regard it as competition. You know, if, if there's any ethics left in the pharmaceutical industry, then they should want patients to be healthy. And I'm not, I'm not so naive as to think that's all that's going on. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, if they, if they block it, well, we have a responsibility, I think, to, to fight back because, yeah. you know, human life is more important than the almighty dollar for a few companies. 
Absolutely. In chapter 25 of your book, you discuss myths and truths about GMOs. What exactly is a GMO for some of the listeners out there? And what's the promise and what's the reality? I know a lot of people feel that the uh, GMO is responsible for an increase in autism and uh, childhood uh, ailment ailments, and also increase in uh, miscarriages. Um, what is your feeling about all of that? Well, um, first of all, what is a GMO? Some people think it means God move over. <laughs> it's not. It's genetically modified organism. And uh, GMOs uh, have, you know, the world has been promised that they would lead to bigger yields, more drought resistant crops, lower pesticide consumption, lower water consumption, um, better flavor and nutrition profiles. And so far, um, 25 plus years into the mass cultivation of GMOs in the marketplace, we haven't seen any of those benefits. It, they've led to uh, a net, no net increase in yield, a net increase in pesticide consumption, no reduction in water use, no improvement in flavor or nutrition. Uh, what they have brought us is crops that have one or both of two traits. They're engineered to be resistant to Roundup and other um, herbicides that can be sprayed on the field, which kill the weeds, but, but not the genetically engineered crop. And they are BT producers. So they produce an, an insecticide known as BT in every cell of the plant. And um, so then those ones don't need to be sprayed with pesticides because they're kind of living pesticide factories there's no way you can wash the BT off. And BT is probably safe for humans. We don't know for sure. It's been used in organic agriculture for a long time, but uh, never in this kind of quantity, never in every cell of the plant. So we don't know for sure. And we know that uh, some of the herbicides that are being used right now, including Roundup are potentially carcinogenic. We know that they're endocrine disruptors. Um, and um, so, so, um, and we know that they're, they're back antibiotics. Um, Roundup's actually been patented as an antibiotic. So this means it can impact bacteria. And so when, you, when you're consuming large amounts of BT and glyphosate, which is the primary active ingredient in uh, Roundup, you wind up um, potentially doing real damage to your digestive tract. We don't, we don't know for sure but uh, it's certainly cause for concern. And with all the people that are having gut problems today, all the rapid increase in gut issues, uh, there are some people who think that this could be linked. So if you want to avoid GMOs, the number one thing you can do is to go organic because that also gets you steered clear of a lot of the pesticides and helps you contribute to a healthier planet. Um, so that's one step. And then, um, you know, num number two, you can go certified non-GMO. And those are products that then, you know, are GMO free, but you still could be getting exposure to pesticides on them because they're not organic. So those are the best options. And then the primary crops that are genetically engineered right now are corn, soy, canola, um, cotton, which is used for cotton seed oil, um, and alfalfa which is used for livestock feed. So corn and soy are the most prevalent and most processed foods have genetically engineered corn or soy ingredients in them. So steering clear of processed foods as well as you know, going organic can be really big steps if you wanna get away from the GMOs. What is your recommendation for what we ultimately must do to expand our food revolution? 
Uh, Vote with your dollars and your food choices for the health and the world that you want and realize that every bite you take matters and you can be a part of the solution on planet earth. So, you know, choose to eat less sugar and processed junk, more whole plant foods, Uh, pay attention to where you're sourcing your food products so that as much as possible, you're supporting local organic fair trade, non-GMO producers and and products. And then, um, you know, eat less animal products in general because uh, meat is a primary driving force behind destruction of tropical rainforests. It's a primary driving force behind climate change, desertification, topsoil erosion, and aquifer depletion. So if you want to walk lightly on the earth, if you want to contribute to a world where future generations have a livable planet, then eating lower on the food chain is one of the most powerful steps that you can take. So that's personal. And then, you know, recognize that many drops fill a bucket. And the more of us that make change, the more we change the marketplace. Absolutely. And we are changing the marketplace, the prevalence of plant-based meats and milks, the prevalence of organic certified non-GMO is nothing when we started Food Revolution Network. It's $40 billion in sales today. Sales of organic products are exploding. The number of Americans who identify as vegan has quadrupled in the last decade. So more and more people are in whatever way works for them stepping up and you don't have to sign a purity pact, you know, to be a part of the food revolution. Uh, You can do it one bite at a time and one step at a time when you swap out beef and replace it with beans, you know, you're doing a good turn for your health and for your planet and, and you'll save some money too. So these are powerful steps you can take and they add up and they make a real difference. Well, I'm glad you brought this up because, um, you know, the impossible meats and the plant-based meats are really not understood by a lot of people. Is it healthy or isn't it? What's your take on that? Well, uh, it's all a matter of compared to what? I mean, um, if you're in general, like beyond meat, for example, is I think uh, healthier than, you know, beef because it's got a third less saturated fat and certainly environmentally, it's a lot more sustainable. That's the big argument. Um, Health-wise, it's arguable. I mean, it's a little higher protein and lower in saturated fat, but, um, you know, it's not a health food. Let's be honest about it. And it's, it's processed. Uh, Impossible Foods also uses GMOs in their product in a way that many people find unsettling. Um, But, you know, you can make your own home plant milk. You can make your own soy milk or almond milk at home. And that can be super healthy and natural. It's not highly refined at all. But some of the products that are in stores that have a lot of sugar and chemicals added, you know, those aren't health foods either. So, you know, it's, but it's all a matter of degree and you start where you are and you take steps. So for some people, you know, going from a, you know, Big Mac to a McPlant, which is something McDonald's is gonna be coming out with, you know, uh, might be a huge step for them. And yay, celebrate you for making a step in the right direction for your health and for your planet. The world will be better better because of it. But is that the end goal? No, Um, I'm not interested in so much of pointing to a spot on the field as I'm saying, let's get moving in the right direction, you know, and wherever you are, let's keep taking steps and more steps. And at the end of the day, you want to eat more whole plant foods. You want to base your diet around real foods, not processed junk. You want to eat less stuff from packages, Um, eventually maybe none. Um, But it's one step at a time. And, uh, you know, you start where you are and with love and determination you move forward. Okay, fish, thumbs up, thumbs down. 
Uh, it's complicated. <laughs> um, purely from a nutritional and health perspective, low mercury, wild fish have some significant advantages. There are studies showing that children who ate wild fish had um, uh, higher IQ scores than children who did not. Um, there are studies showing that fish is associated with lower rates of cardiovascular disease and even of cancer. However, that's compared to what? If you're replacing beef with fish, you're moving a huge step in the right direction. You're essentially replacing saturated fat with omega-3 fats, which are really healthy for you. Um, but fish is also coming from the oceans or from fish farms, and it tends to be highly polluted. It, it bio, it's a bioaccumulator, so it concentrates toxins. Whatever's in the water, a fish will absorb that through its gills its entire life, and then a bigger fish will eat it and absorb all the toxic load that the littler fish ate. And so you can get fish that are you know, a thousand times more toxic than the water around them because of the way the food chain works. And so then we end up with concentrations of mercury and heavy metals, in the fish. And so things like shark or even tuna have some real drawbacks, swordfish, the bigger fish, you know. Um, but sardines, mackerel, herring, wild salmon, not so much. However, we're overfishing in our oceans. Uh, by 2050, it's estimated there may be more plastic than fish in our oceans, the way things are going. And so we're, we're wiping out fish species and we're polluting the oceans. And most of our fish now have microplastics in them. And so a lot of people are saying, gosh, I don't wanna be a part of that. And I don't wanna take in those toxins. Can you get some of the benefits without eating the fish? And the answer is yes, you can take algae-based omega-3 capsules with EPA and DHA in them. And um, you, know, you can also, um, you know, replace protein from certain animal products like beef or whatever with protein from beans or, you know, other legumes instead of having to go to fish. So you can get your protein, you can get your omega-3s from other places. Uh, some people for ethical reasons or environmental reasons prefer to go that direction. Um, however, uh, for a lot of people, the medical research is pretty clear. There, there Almost every study on the topic seems to show that that fish consumption is associated with longevity and, and health outcome for most people. Well, that's good at least. On one hand, a little scary. On the other hand, great that we are going in the right direction and that there are some very positive action steps that we can take. Yes. Uh, so um, for every new copy of your book that's sold, you've pledged to donate to trees for the future so that they can uh, plant an organic fruit or nut tree in a low income community. What inspired you to take that step? Oh, goodness. I'm always looking at how we can weave impact into our mission. So, you know, at Food Revolution Network, we've we've gotten, I think, over 150,000 trees now Um planted in low-income communities through our partnership with Trees for the Future. And I feel really proud of that. And um, so yeah, 31 Day Food Revolution is part of that mission. And if you buy a copy, we'll plant a tree. It's a wonderful thing. You know, I think we need to spread trees and we need to spread food, especially to the communities that are struggling right now. We can literally turn deserts into oases. And when there's more food trees growing, they suck carbon out of the atmosphere. They produce oxygen and they create a cooler environment, uh, which can change ecosystems and, and create a more resilient environment and help fight climate change quite directly while also feeding people. So what's not to love about that? 
Absolutely. For those of our audience who want to step forward and to take action based on your message, what's the one thing they can do to get started today? Start where you are, look at where you want to go and take some steps. You know, the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. And so if you haven't eaten so well your whole life, don't sweat it. That's how much you have to gain from making a change. If you're already a superstar healthy eater, realize we live in a toxic food culture. We've normalized something that is statistically correlated with epidemic rates of heart disease, cancer, type two diabetes, obesity, uh, Alzheimer's and, and feeling like crap. And uh, so you can turn that around with your own knife and fork and every step you take matters. And even if you're already doing pretty well, you can probably go further and you can spread the word to others. 31 Day Food Revolution makes a great gift. So feel free to grab a copy um, and join the food revolution with your own knife and fork by being a part of the change on this planet. Well, that's a really good idea. I might just put that on my uh, gift list for uh the things that I give out my presence to the ones that I love in the future. Beautiful. Where can we find more information about you and your work? Go to foodrevolution.org and check out our website. There's hundreds and hundreds of articles on critical food topics on there, or go to 31dayfoodrevolution.com. That's 31dayfoodrevolution.com to find out about the book, or you can just get it on Amazon or bookstore of your choice. Well, Ocean, thank you so much for being with us today. It was really uh, a thrill. Absolutely. My pleasure, Barbara. Thanks so much for having me. Okay. This has been another episode of Marketing Tips for Doctors with Ocean Robin and uh, your host, Dr. Barbara Hales. Till next time. Thanks for listening to Marketing Tips for Doctors. If you like the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Press the subscribe button so you never miss an episode and tell your friends about the show. Join us on marketingtipsfordoctors.com for replays and more resources to help grow your practice, strengthen your brand, and dominate your field. Remember, you are one tweet from greatness. Greatness.